Welcome, friends. You are listening to the Mind Body Alchemy podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Miramontes. This is where intuition meets education in the realms of spirituality, fitness, mindset, and more, all to create lasting change. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. This episode is going to be awesome. Many of you probably don't know this, but I coach on the topic of healing your relationship with your body and improving body image in a program run by my friend and colleague, Leslie Hooper. She runs a group program called Friends with Benefits, and it's pretty incredible. And it's an honor for me to be able to work with the people in those groups and watch how their opinions of their bodies change and grow as they start to work through some of this stuff. So today I have asked one of those women to join me and talk more about her experience with the body image work that we did together. This woman is a rock star mom, a genuinely good human, and someone that I had the privilege of getting to meet in Dallas earlier this year. I already knew she was great, but having that FaceTime with her gave me an opportunity to really appreciate everything she does, how she shows up in her life with her family, her friends, and how encouraging she is to the people that she surrounds herself with. She also happens to be an integral an integral member of the Friends with Benefits coaching team. And I just want to extend a huge thank you and welcome to Stephanie Curry. Steph, welcome to the show. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. And and Steph, I'm honored to be here. That introduction was so, like, I'm just really moved. Like, thank you so much for that. And I guess a little bit about my background is I live in the DFW area in Texas and I'm 42 years old. I have two kids. I'm married. I've been married for 18 years now. And I have a son and a daughter. My son is 14 and he um, has autism and is not able to speak. So I actually homeschool him and uh, teach him at home. And, and then I've got my daughter, Grace, who just turned 12 just this month. So I'm busy and I've struggled, I guess, with dieting for over... I guess I was 20 years old when I really first started dieting. I was a thin kid growing up, but put on weight in college, like many people do. And that's when, you know, my dieting woes and struggles started. Primarily, I was a Weight Watchers Lifetime member before the Friends with Benefits program. That program, I I counted points for a really, really long time. Uh, I did other things in between, but that was really my primary diet that I did. And, and then I joined Leslie Hooper's program, Friends with Benefits in April of 2000, right during COVID. And that program changed my life. And a big portion of that program was the body image work that I did with you. And that wasn't the reason I sought the program. Like I, I thought I wanted to heal my relationship with food and try to learn to eat like a naturally thin person, but I didn't realize how deep my body image issues were until they were brought to the surface. So (laughs) I just kind of want to go backward a little bit because you said that you joined in April of 2000. And I know this year feels like it's been 20 years long, but just to clarify, that was April of 2020, correct? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I have not been doing the program for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's, uh, that says a lot about 2020. So yeah, thanks. (laughs) Seriously, it does. 2020 has been a really challenging year for people. And I just think it's really brave to come into a program that makes you think harder than you've ever thought about 
the relationship you have with yourself, the relationship you have with food, the relationship you have with your body when everybody just kind of feels like they're spinning out a little bit. And so it's a lot of added work and a lot of added pressure to deal with the emotional side of things this year specifically. So kudos to you for jumping in in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) Maybe in April, we didn't quite realize how it was going to feel, but you did the work. You finished. You did every single one of the body image videos, which there are 24 of, by the way. Uh, That's a lot, right? That's a lot of work that we're asking you to do. So well done. One thing that I would love for you to kind of touch on is some of the things that I've noticed is people don't really think about their body image other than to dislike their bodies. So they don't necessarily come into a program saying, I really want to fix how I feel about my body, except for to say, I want to fix how I feel about my body by changing it, right? By losing weight or by making it smaller or whatever. They feel like, in my experience, that the body image side will take care of itself when the body itself changes. And that's really not the way this works. I imagine you've been smaller than you are now, bigger than you are now, or, you know, at least at some point in your life kind of yo-yoed back and forth with your history of dieting. Can you touch on whether or not you saw the body image piece as separate from dieting or was it just tied into dieting for you or, or did you think of it at all? Yeah, I didn't really think of it at all. Um, you know, I think in my head, because the program that I did Weight Watchers was such a, a weight driven program or scale weight program that I focused on a number. And so I got to that number that I wanted. And I even went lower than the number that I wanted. And I still picked myself apart. I remember at my uh, lowest weight, which was an unhealthy weight for somebody who's almost 5'11, I remember turning around and I saw my back and I don't know if you watch the Simpsons at all, but Simpsons is, you know, probably (laughs) as old as me, I think, or at least, uh, you know, 30 plus years. And uh, Mr. Burns, there was a a scene where Mr. Burns, when you see his back and it's so skinny. And I remember not liking my back then and being kind of like, well, how do I fix that? And, and that was again, too skinny. And then of course I've been on the other side of it where you just don't like how you look in pictures or you're not happy again with the scale weight, but I never really thought too deeply about body image. I, I, I just thought it was, I guess I just never really thought of it honestly. And until this program, it was just something like I could chase a number and be okay. And once I got to that number, I'd be fine. But the, the truth is even when you get to that number, if you haven't fixed the inside, all the external work, you know, would be for nothing because you'll continue to pick yourself apart. Do you think that not having a positive body image is what had you looking for a number that was even lower than what you had initially kind of thought as your goal weight, but then you just kept losing and losing and losing? Do you think that like looking for some sort of body acceptance played a role in that? Or did you feel like maybe you just couldn't turn it around? What do you think led you to wanting to get to an even smaller weight than what you thought you would be comfortable with? I think it goes back to that perfectionist mindset. And I grew up and I was, you know, really good student growing up. I was a a good kid. You know, I tried to do everything to a T and 
I think it just kept, you know, there, you could do more, Stephanie, there's always, you know, there's more, more work to be done. And so I was never enough for myself. Now I feel like I am, but like, even, you know, again, thinner uh, than I am now, it just was never enough. I just had to, I needed more and that, you know, it's not going to come from anything on the outside. Right. So when you signed up for the program and you dove in thinking that this was all going to be about food, (laughs) what was it about the body image part of the program that made you kind of jump all in? Because as we've seen, you know, you're part of the team, you work inside the groups continuously and you're very encouraging and you end up lifting, you help guide people to do the work. In fact, you tag people all the time in the videos and say, Hey, did you do this? Hey, did you do this? Like, you got to do it. Sorry to be a broken record, but this is what you need. And so I'm just wondering, what was it about the body image work that made you dive in that maybe separates you from the people who are resisting doing that work? Sure. So I think I can think of two things. The first is I had heard you and followed you when you were on Leslie's podcast almost a year ago from this time. And I remember really thinking she knows what she's talking about. And from then on, I started, you know, to kind of follow you through Instagram and follow, you know, website, send up for emails, joined your um, Facebook group and always thought that you were a lot wiser than your years. And you just, you know, I, I, I feel like I still always learn something from you. And so that was the first thing. And then the second thing was in a program like that, where, you know, as a stay at home mom who has a special needs child and has a family, it is really hard to invest in yourself. You want to, you know, if you've got extra money, you're spending it on your kids or, you know, you're making sure everybody else's needs are met. So it's hard to invest in yourself. So when I made the decision to do the program, I said to myself, I'm going all in. So it doesn't matter what the work is, if it's uncomfortable, if it's weird, if it's hard, which I think all of that <laughs> summarizes the body image work. I was going <laughs> all in. And, yeah. and I'm still, you know, yes, you're right. I do tag people in the current program. I, because it's made such an impact on my journey. And I feel like when I see things crop up for others, I know that they can be helped with either certain videos or just even doing the work to begin with. It's, it's not easy and it's vulnerable and you feel a little exposed, but as you've talked about before, when you're in a community, healing happens in a community and you can't, you know, I'm I'm stealing stuff from you, but you can't live in your head. Like it needs to come out and, and that way you can kind of face it. You can see it, 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 you know, writing is cathartic, getting the support from others and knowing that you're not the only one who thinks this way, that's all invaluable. So, you know, I just want people to hopefully get the same experience that I had. I love that you said I'm stealing stuff from you because that makes me feel like, you know what, some stuff really stuck. That's so it's so interesting because we run these programs in our minds, right? We think certain ways, we're raised certain ways, we pick up on our parents' programming or or the media's program or whatever it is. There's all these different outside influences that teach us how to feel about our bodies. And everything that teaches us how to feel about our bodies takes us away from how we really feel about them. It's like, oh, you know what? You can wake up one day feeling great. You can put on a pair of jeans and they fit. You can go out to work or do your hair or your lashes look great or whatever it is externally, right? This is all external stuff, but you feel good about your body. And then you open up Instagram 
and see somebody well posed, well lit, well turned, perfectly, you know, structured in this program, probably edited. And all of a sudden, everything you felt about yourself gets overwritten and you have a new program. You are comparing yourself to this other human that you don't know, that you have no experience with, that you don't humanize, but rather you just say, okay, this is a body on my screen. And that body is now my new standard to which I compare myself against. So I love hearing that you're stealing things from me because that means that the programming is working. Like it's sticking. You find the value in in what those things are. So thank you for sharing that. And you're right about it being weird and being uncomfortable. And I say that a lot in my videos too. I'm like, you're gonna have so much resistance with this and your brain's gonna tell you it's stupid and you're not gonna wanna do it. And you're gonna think, okay, well, I am watching the video and I'm doing the work in my head. So that's good enough. I don't have to share it with the group or I don't have to put pen to paper. I don't have to journal about it because I'm thinking about it. What results do you think would have come from the work if you would have done it in your head instead of putting yourself out there and just said, you know what, I'm here to go all in. I'm putting pen to paper. I'm journaling about these things or I'm writing these things down or I'm doing something that Steph asked me to do, like the oath, for example, where I have you speak out loud to yourself in the mirror, which is so uncomfortable and confronting for people. What if you just read that in your head and thought, oh, that's, you know, that's really good. I should probably think that way. Do you think it would have had the same impact? Absolutely not. I remember that was the first, that was week three. And that was the first time I thought this is a little weird and I don't know if I could do this. And I sat in my bathroom um, on my little, you know, makeup counter stool or whatever, and read the oath and looked, you know, up at the mirror and looked down at the, the reading and then looked up and yeah, it was, it was uncomfortable. And I remember too, in that video, you talked about social media or in the oath, you talked about social media and I think that was the first time you had mentioned objectifying other people with social media. And I thought to myself, holy, you know, that's not something I even thought of, like that women could objectify other women. Like I, I always thought that was a men versus, you know, men to women type thing. And I thought that's exactly what I'm doing and what other people are doing. We're, we're, we're objectifying these people, whether, you know, it's about their body, it's about their hair, it's about, like you said, lashes and makeup, whatever that's not the person I want to be. And so to say it out loud, it was, it was a bit of, there was shame there, like to think, you know, those thoughts that I had after. And then you encouraged us to journal after that. And each day we were supposed to say it and then write down our thoughts and see how we felt throughout the week. And I thought that was, it was so good, but really uncomfortable in the first. <laughs> yeah, re that's, that's kind of something that I, I like to do is poke at those places. And the reason that I like to make people uncomfortable and and you know I don't like you to be uncomfortable as in like haha let me see what I can do here but I love to see people work through their discomfort because all of that discomfort comes from that place of shrinking ourselves not just physically but just in our environment in our minds saying who am I to care about my body who am I to love my body with all of these things that are you know, quote, wrong with it, or, you know, I have all these rolls or stretch marks or bumps or lumps or whatever, like, of course, I'm the exception to the rule. 
I don't feel this way about other people, but of course I have to hold myself to a different standard. And so when I make you say things out loud and I make you look through the lens of objectification, for example, where, you know, would you follow this person in real life? Would you be friends with them in real life? And are you just consuming their content because you're consuming their bodies? Are they just a body to you? Or are you getting something out of the exchange that they're putting out there, right? Is there some sort of relationship happening where you're engaging with their content? You're appreciating them as a human being or are you just consuming their body for your comparison? That discomfort creates a lot of growth. And the reason that I say I like it is because all the growth I've ever experienced for myself comes out of a place of really uncomfortable, messy stuff. <laughs> so I know that's the path, right? I don't expect people to do this work and ignore it myself. It's something that, you know, I work on too. So we have 24 different videos. And to be honest, I don't even have the list in front of me to kind of look at what all of them are. But there are some that really just stand out for people. The oath happens to be one of them where people are just like, I don't want to do this, but I went ahead and did it. And I'm surprised at how emotional it made me or how confronting this was or whatever. The selfie challenge is another one that really resonates with people. The self-compassion quiz is one that people are really surprised by. And even just listening to and experiencing the thoughts that happen in their own heads as they move throughout their day, you know, how many times they check their bodies, how many times they think negative thoughts about themselves, how many times they have a bad day and then blame and their bodies become the punching bag for that bad day. Well, you know, I feel this, I feel ugly, I feel uncomfortable, you know, whatever. What do you think it was for you that stood out the most as far as like the different videos? What, what sticks with you now more than maybe some of the others? There were a few. So the biggest one is the selfie challenge, I think. And that was over the course of seven days, you had us take different selfies of ourselves in different, you know, I guess with different prompts. So, you know, there's the no makeup selfie, there's the, the best angles selfie, there's the, the body part that you never judge selfie, there's the body part that needs more love selfie. And for me, I really thought it would be the no makeup selfie or the first thing in the morning selfie, that would be the hardest for me to post uh, online, but in all honesty, the two that were the hardest were the body part that you never judge because it was hard. I went through my entire body and I could not figure out what have I not judged. And even now I had put my palm of my hand because I couldn't mm -hmm. put the back of my hand because I thought, well, I don't have a manicure. So you know, I'm <laughs> judging that. And then yeah. the palm, you know, I thought, okay, that's a judgment free. But now I look at that and you had even talked about this um, recently, like even with weightlifting now or strength training, like I have some calluses on the inside of my hand. Not that I'm judging it badly. I think it's kind of cool. But then, you know, in the drier weather, it's like even the inside of my hand's a little bit dry. So it's like, now I got to find another body part. And I was thinking yeah. about that before this and I was like, I think I'll do the, the crease or the inside of my elbow because I mean, I don't think I'm judging that, but it was hard. That was really, you know, it made me think a lot. And then the best angle selfie, you'd think that'd be easy to post. And we had a dialogue back and forth that I've saved in my phone because it was so life-changing for me. Uh, and I think that a lot of my growth has happened as a result of that after, because I posted this picture and it's a, it's a nice picture of me. And of course, you know, again, best angle selfie, but I was really uncomfortable posting it because 
you know, we, we kind of talked about like, there's the vain part that thinks, well, people are going to think I'm vain because I'm taking this picture and posting it of my, myself. But then on the inside, you're thinking, but I want people to see that because I think, you know, I'm proud of how, how well I've done. And so I kind of went back and forth and we, you know, we had this dialogue and you finally, I said, well, what's the answer? And you're, you, you said, the answer is, you know, there, stop the battle. There's no fight. If you, you know, if you don't make it happen and, you know, you should be putting the pictures up for yourself. What, you know, you need to be your authentic self. And why do we need permission to post our own photos? Like you should just do it for yourself. And I thought my word, so I don't have to bat like, who cares what, you know, what, if, if I'm happy with this, you know, then that's great. And so that's actually encouraged me in different areas, like on Instagram, I'll post progress pictures of my strength training. I posted a little bit more of myself, but I'm still a little bit uncomfortable always posting myself because there's that, you know, the inner critic and the vanity part. But yeah, it, it, that, that was so, it, it was a, it was a, a really vital exchange for me that really transformed my mindset. As far as other challenges, you know, the other one that um, really stood out to me was kind of, you called it like feeling on the body, which kind of seems a little weird, but basically, you know, just kind of going through one, one day, one morning, and you just kind of, you know, check out your entire body and what do you notice and you journal it. And, you know, things that came up for me were, you know, I got to my ears and the only time I've ever been kind of bullied as a kid was I had, I had big ears as a kid. I still have big ears. And I remember on the middle school bus, a boy said to me, you know, call me Dumbo. And cause I probably had my hair in a ponytail and I remember it hurts. I, you know, I got over it, but that was something that it was a memory that came up during that exercise. And then, you know, different things like I got to my stomach area and I've had two kids and both of my kids, I carried, you know, really in the front. So it, my stomach was really stretched out. And now that I've lost weight, there's a little bit of loose skin. There's kind of wrinkling, you know, I'm never going to look like my, you know, 20 year old self, but you know, that's okay. And, and then kept going and I even got to my thighs and, you know, with stretch marks, you can kind of feel the grooves of, you know, stretch marks. And I remember thinking at 13 years old, I mean, I was again, a thin kid. I had a big growth spurt. I got to five, nine at 13. And I remember seeing red lines on my legs and I thought, what, you know, what, what did I do? You know, what, like, why do I have red lines on my legs? Which of course, you know, fade to kind of the silvery white and they're, they're stretch marks because just from growth. It's not even so much, you know, a weight thing. It was just, I grew fast. So again, that was another one that really stood out to me. I did kind of make notes of the different ones. So I could probably look at some others, but oh, external validators. That was another good one. That was, I think, video four and that I was a slave to the scale. And so, you know, when I started this program, I, I made it a point to not step on the scale after the first, I guess the first two weeks, Leslie kind of gave me a hard time about it. And I was like, okay coach is telling me not to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to stay off the scale, but that to me was always my validator if I was doing a good job or not. And the scale dictated my day as to whether I could have a good day or not have a good day. I was a daily weigher. So of course, you know, your weight is going to fluctuate based on what you eat. You know, the last time you had a a bowel movement, the, you know, if you exercise the day before, if you drink enough water, all of that stuff. So that was, you know, that was a, a really good video because I think I really have changed my perspective in terms of, I think you said, are we looking for a number or are we looking for a feeling? And that goes back to kind of the the body image stuff. It's like, you know, what does the number do for me? Nobody knows how much I weigh. Nobody knows what my pant size is or my, you know, bra size or, you know, 
anything. Why does it matter so much to me? And it's more, you know, again, it goes back to a feeling, you know, you want to feel comfortable in your own skin. So that was a lot of verbal, I call it verbal diarrhea, but I mean, again, I could keep going on and on, but I don't know if you want to break that down. Yeah. Let's, let's do a little bit of reflecting back. The external validators validators is a really interesting one. We talk about the scale. We even talk a little bit about clothes and measurements and things like that. Pictures, all of these ways that we look for external validation. And the biggest thing about those external validators is that you are not a different Stephanie before you step on the scale and after you step on the scale, but that number makes you feel some kind of way. We are giving so much power. It's like, oh, the number went down. Now I'm a better Stephanie. The number went out, up. Somehow I failed myself. I'm a different Stephanie. I'm gonna approach the world and how I move about the world and make decisions from that place of who I think I am based on a number, which varies all the time, right? It's so inaccurate as, as a, as a marker of progress, because yes, I mean, when you're on a weight loss program, you want to see a downward trend, right? If you're gaining muscle and you're on a gaining program, you want to see an upward trend, but you know what that feels like. You know what that looks like. The reason to weigh daily, I just can't find it (laughs) unless it's just so that you can somehow validate that your efforts are paying off. But the reality is it can't tell you that. Mm-hmm. Are you sleeping at night? Are you eating undistracted? Are you waiting for hunger? Are you experiencing your hunger? Are you pushing away the food when, you're, when you've had enough of it and you're satisfied? That means your effort is paying off. That is making you feel better from the inside out. And if you then get on the scale and you go, oh, well, maybe I'm not pushing my food away. I'm going to start pushing it away more, or I'm going to start, you know, questioning my process here, questioning my decision-making skills here. And I don't trust myself to listen to my body and just allow this to sort of unravel as it goes. Because as we know, this kind of hunger-directed eating, it's not as simple as just counting some calories or some points or, you know, some portion sizes or whatever, It really does require you to tap back into a place that you have shut down and ignored for a very long time. And the scale is just a distraction. All it does is take you out of your body and put you back in that place where you don't trust it. You don't believe that it has the capability to keep you safe, to keep you moving forward and to help you reach your goals, which is just total nonsense. So I love that you brought that one up the feeling on your body. Yeah, that one is really confronting as well. Part of it is that in our culture, particularly, it's different, I think, around the world, but definitely in our culture, everything that is physical touch gets sexualized. It gets some stigma. And so again, it kind of goes back to who are you to have your hands on your body, even though it's completely neutral, there's nothing sexual about what I ask you to do. It, there is a layer of shame that comes along with not just jumping in the shower, washing your body and getting out, really experiencing what your skin feels like mm-hmm. and taking away what society has labeled these things. So for example, 
cellulite is bad, right? We just think it's the worst possible thing you could have as a human and 98% of us women have it. So I, I still don't understand how we got brainwashed into that one, how we're still brainwashed into that one, but here we are. But if you close your eyes and you feel the dimples on your skin, would you judge that same, with that same intensity, dimples on anything else? Would, you know, like, fruit, for example, or anything else in your life that has that same soft, bumpy, slightly bumpy texture. There's nothing harmful about it. There's nothing offensive about it. It just exists. There is, but we make it mean that somehow we have failed as a woman because we don't have perfectly smooth thighs and we don't match what we see in magazines or we don't match what, you know, every, you know, what 18 year old man fantasizes about, because, you know, it's just, that's the programming that we get from the time we're very young girls. So, you know, cellulite just comes up as that way, but the same thing with you brought up your belly and your loose skin, and there's always like some softness to our curves, or if we put our hands on our bellies and we feel that softness, our brain immediately wants to go to get your hands off of there. Like you are offended by your own body because you, it's almost like you don't want to realize there's some body fat there. You don't want to feel that squish because then you have to look at that and go, oh my gosh, I failed my body because I'm carrying some adipose tissue here or some loose skin here or whatever. It's a reminder of some sort of ridiculous made up moral failure. But what if you picked up a plush blanket and you felt those soft you know, wrinkles and crinkles and, and bumps and lumps and, and in your mind, that is comfort. That is safety. That's like, hey, I want to wrap this around myself and, and I just want to revel in it. So why, when it's attached to our body, is it some sort of moral failure when softness is celebrated in just about everything else? It's just a different way to look at things so that we can stop being offended by living in our own human bodies because they are diverse and interesting and amazing. And they have nerve endings that help us feel pleasure and pain and excitement. And we have goosebumps that just, you know, cover our bodies when we feel cold or when we feel nervous or whatever. It's so reactive to our environment around us. And we forget to appreciate all the ways that it communicates with us because we're so focused on fitting into a box that society built. And we didn't really even consciously agree to fit in there. We just kind of collectively somehow found our way to say, yeah, I agree with this weird standard. And so let's all try to be it. That's very distracting, takes us out of our lives. And then, you know, of course you mentioned the selfie challenge, which is always interesting. And if y'all want to learn a little bit more about that, I did a podcast episode on it. Go back and listen to episode nine and dive into some of the uh, ways that the selfie challenge can heal the relationship you have with your body and help you to not feel so triggered about every single photo that you are in. Of course, it is well, you're well within your rights to delete a photo that you find to be not a good representation of who you are. Or, you know, if you took 15 photos, of you cutting down a Christmas tree, you're well within your rights to pick your favorite one. Absolutely. But if you only got one, (laughs) if you only got one photo of you in that moment, in that experience, having fun with your family, and that captured that experience, 
but your muffin top is showing and you delete that experience because you can't handle looking at the photo of your muffin top, then we need to talk about your relationship with how you feel in photos and how to become a little bit less reactive to those things so that you can enjoy the memory of the experience and the snapshot that you took of that, all while realizing that every version of ourselves in pictures is partly true and partly not true. If we take a picture when our belly is out because we had just taken a deep breath, that is how we look when our belly is out because we just took a deep breath. That doesn't mean it's how you look all the time, but it's how you look when you're breathing. <laughs> you know, I mean, when we're sitting down, if our, if our belly goes over our pants, that's how you look when you sit down at, at that specific angle. If you sit down sitting straight up and your shoulders back, then you look different, right? If you're on your menstrual cycle, you're going to look different than if you're, if you're not, you know, all of these versions of ourselves are true and also just not true, right? They're just temporary snapshots of different versions of how we move throughout the world, but they're stills. They, they, they don't, they never take the full, the full experience into account, right? It's just kind of like how you look in that one millisecond of a moment, kind of depending on the camera angle, the lighting, the shadows, the, you know, everything. So, so thank you for bringing those things up. Do you feel like after sort of graduating through the body image stuff that you, your thoughts are different? Do you feel like you as sort of, as a person are different in the way that you think, the way that you interact, the way you think about other people's bodies? Has it, sort of softened your reaction toward bodies in general? Do you feel like they're more neutral or what, what has that changed for you? Yeah, I, I think definitely. I think that I didn't realize that I was inadvertently judging people, which is, I, I feel like, you know, let's, let's be honest. I think most people do it and maybe don't realize it because that's just, you know, again, first impressions or, you know, even just uh, normal interactions. But I think now I'm just, you know, I really just want everyone to be comfortable in their own skin. And I really, I preach this to my daughter who, again, she just turned 12 and I just want her to be her authentic self. And, you know, at that age, you're so vulnerable and you're so, you're so, you know, worried about what other people think. And I just don't know why at that age kids are like that, but I just want to tell her like, you're very, you know, you're very lovable. People enjoy spending time with you. You don't have to put on a facade to do, to be anybody that you're not. If you like a particular book or you like a particular show or a video game, that's, that's cool. You know, I think that just makes you, you. And I guess to translate that to, you know, the other members in the friends with benefits program, I just want people to really just show up and, and be the best version of themselves and, you know, not wait for, you know, being, you know, uh, 10 pounds thinner, or even just waiting for, you know, a milestone in strength training Just show up as you are each day. And just, I don't know, I guess I feel like, you know, our bodies are vessels for the people that we are on the inside. And I really do appreciate people on the inside. And I feel like I always did, but not maybe not to the extent that I do now. And I guess, I don't know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I just think, yeah, it has changed my perspective on things. And I cleaned up my social media. I 
got rid of a lot of accounts that I followed that I didn't have that interaction with. And I can think of when you were saying that just now, or a few minutes ago, I was thinking about there's a particular woman that I started following because she was a Weight Watchers person. And she had the interview with, or she, she was on a commercial with Oprah and stuff. And so I've started following her. And, but the thing is like, I've dropped all the people that I used to follow that I follow for their food po- pictures or their, you know, their transformations. But this one particular individual, she's cool. She posts stuff that resonates and she's just a very cool person. And I enjoy the interaction with her. So I feel like, you know, I just kind of value that a bit more than content for the sake of content, whether, you know, again, it's uh, a body or something, you know, is altered or a face like it, as long as they're bringing more to themselves than just their exterior appearance, then, you know, I, I follow them, but if they're not, then they're out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a perfect example where, you know, you may not agree with the Weight Watchers methodology anymore. Uh, that was a big part of your life at one time. It's not a part of your identity now, but she is a human to you, a whole ass human to you and not just who she is as she's counting points. And so even if she posted something about her points or her food or whatever, that is easily scrolled past and excused because you have a sort of social media relationship with her content. And it's not just about her food pictures, which when you start eliminating food pictures and body pictures to compare and judge yourself by, it opens up an opportunity for you to really start saying, what do I really want to consume every day? Art, talent, hobbies, things that are just interesting to me, you know, interior designers, fashion, whatever it is, you can start to look at these things and make sure that your social media is filled up with not just people who look like you and think like you, but people who look different and people who have different ideas. We can stop saying, I want that body and that life. And I can start saying, you know what, there's so much out there to appreciate. Let's diversify the feed and and appreciate so many different angles of things. And that's what's really exciting. It just opens up your brain to think so much bigger than your own sort of mental drama about your body. (laughs) A really good example, I think, I don't know if you follow Lizzo, but right now she is kind of getting a lot of backlash from her fans, from the media, from everybody, because she, has always been someone who is very confident in her body and she lives in a larger body and she's an incredible human being, extremely talented. She's political. She's, she's got so much to offer the world that following her is, is a good experience. It's, Mm -hmm. it just boosts you. But she posted a picture of herself after doing a 10 day juice cleanse. Mm -hmm. And You know, she did what she had put as her qualifier was that she was doing it for her gut health because she had gone through a lot of stress and she was eating like garbage and, you know, whatever. So she felt she needed to detox and it was all about gut health and not about weight loss. I don't care if it was about weight loss or not, frankly, it's none of my business what anybody does with their bodies, but to see her fans flip on her like nobody's business because they have objectified her. They have taken her as a token for their body positive movement. 
which she never signed up for. She, she is body positive. She puts that information out there, but she never signed up to be anybody's token for it or their leader or whatever. But if that's the depth of the relationship with you that you have with someone online, they will disappoint you. They will disappoint you every time because you have put them on a specific pedestal. You expect them to live the life through the lens that you're viewing them. And, and then they change their mind and humans have reserve the right to change their mind. They reserve the right to change their bodies. They reserve the right to think differently, be differently, you know, whatever they want to do. And so when we just look at these pages as this is what I expect from you, your content belongs to me and it needs to be um, structured in a way that makes me feel comfortable and makes me like you. Then when you do something different, all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, you know, how dare you live your own life? <laughs> and it's a perfect example of, you know, the objectification of another human body that all they saw her as was someone to champion the body positivity movement and not as a whole human with whole issues and big decisions to make about her body and how she's allowed to share them. So that was just, you know, kind of a random rant and it had nothing to do with the body image challenge, but I just thought it was kind of relevant to, you know, the direction we've kind of taken. I know, no, it's very relevant. I think it's easy to put somebody on a pedestal that you haven't even met in real life too. And I actually learned that lesson a couple of years ago and it's always kind of stuck with me. I think my dad had told me like everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time not like they do yeah. anything very different from what we do on a, a regular basis, but you just don't see that side of them. So, but yeah, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that since you did the body image work along with the friends with benefits program work and the eating habits and things like that, that you were able to give yourself more grace and patience and not feel like maybe you had to rush for results. Did you feel a little bit more secure and safe in your body as you work through some of this stuff? Very much so. Yeah. I think it really made a, a huge difference because when I signed up for the program, you know, I did want that food freedom, but I wanted the body transformation too. And I thought, you know, it's a six month program. That's plenty of time for me to have this, you know, phenomenal body transformation. But the reality is like, again, starting a strength training program and learning to listen to your body instead of counting your calories, points, macros, it all takes time. So, you know, it's, it's not a quick process. And I think, you know, once the six months were up, like I thought to myself, like, I'm good. Like I can keep doing this the rest of my life and continue to see results. And I have, you know, even a few months now out of the program, like I finished up at the end of September, we're in December now, and I've continued to see results because the habits have stuck and they're just now part of my routine. I, you know, they're, I don't have to think about them. They're really effortless. And, you know, I've continued the strength training, but for me, you know, I can look at progress pictures now and I still take them, but I look at them like a scientist. I think to myself, Oh, okay. Now I see some more muscle in my, you know, I can see my shoulders are more defined than they used to be. And, oh, you know, here's another one. My legs are bigger. Like my legs are bigger because I have lifted heavier weights than I ever have in my life and done a lot of, you know, squats and deadlifts. And I actually, you know, this is something I wanted to uh, bring up on the podcast and I didn't, I haven't had a chance yet, but I had to buy, I had to buy bigger pants. And at first that was mortifying. And I remember one of your challenges, it was the Marie Kondo one. And I, I don't remember what number it was, but I remember I, uh, one of the things I put on a top and it just looked, looked frumpy. So you're like, get rid of it. And I was like, I already did. And then, you know, I bought one size higher jeans 
And in the past, that would have killed me. That would have been failure, defeat. How could you buy a size higher? You know, you're, you know, you're not on the right track, but like, I thought like who, unless there are Levi's with the tag on the back where it says your, your numbers, nobody's going to know what size you wear. And, you know, honestly, I, I feel more comfortable in one size bigger jeans because I, you know, I have a, I have a rear end and bigger thighs now. I, I like it. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Cause I, I, I feel strong, but you know, that's just something again, that in, in the past that would have crushed me. It would have been that perfectionist that, you know, I have failed, but now I just kind of like, eh, who cares? You know, like, it's just, I just need more clothes. So I, you know, I need clothes that are I'm comfortable with. So, so yeah, it really has, I mean, the two of them in conjunction, because you can set a good foundation with the habits and you can check off all the boxes and do everything right. But if you put in the work and you do the mental work and it makes such a difference in the total transformation. And again, I, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, how things look in a year from now and how I'll be doing. And it's, you know, it's probably gonna be boring because I'll be doing the same habits and doing, you know, maybe some different strength training, but it's, you know, it's, it's just my life now. And I've created a great life. I've enjoyed the journey. So yeah, it's the, the results, they can come whenever, but uh, you know, I'm not chasing them now. Yeah. One of the challenges that I had everyone do was sort of cultivate a hobby or a talent or spend your time and energy on something that was, you know, unique, uniquely you, that made you feel good about you to take the focus off some of these external things and also just to appreciate all the other things that you are outside of how you look, right? And so I remember that you had kind of already started working on a little bit of that. And I wondered if you would just share kind of what that led you to start doing and how that's shifted how you use your, use your time if you feel like your time is better spent now versus, you know, thinking about points all the time. <laughs> Definitely. Um, that was a big component of the program and the body image work was I, you know, Leslie, in the beginning, she had asked me, you know, if I had any hobbies and I, you know, my hobby was dieting, you know, I, the, that was my social media feed. That was what I did in my free time. That's, you know, I was in the Weight Watchers app. I was always calculating points in my head, saving up points, trying to earn fit points. Anyway, once I got rid of that, I, I wanted, you know, I thought, you know, as a mom of, again, special needs kid, another child, a wife, like, I don't have time for a hobby, but you know what I do, because I was spending all this time and mental energy on food and dieting, I did have time for a hobby. So I picked up sketching and drawing. And it was something that I liked to do as a kid, I used to doodle and just I liked, I was kind of like artistic. So I, I rediscovered that and I purchased a book and it was a 30 days, 30 days, 20 minutes a day, you just, you know, you draw and he kind of helps you kind of get better through the process. And I did, I got better. And again, going back to the selfie challenge, one of the things that you taught me was post the pictures for yourself. So I would, each time I did a drawing on the 30 days, I posted in my stories. And some of them, I, I remember, you know, the perfectionist in me was, was thinking, oh, this could be better. This could be, uh, but finally I said to myself, this is good. You know, you, you're still new, you're a student, you're learning just put it out there, you know, but because you want to share it. And so I did. And, you know, I posted those pictures and I got the coolest part about that whole thing was I got people telling me that I inspired them to 
rekindle things that they used to do as a kid. Like I have a friend who started horseback riding. I have another friend who started drawing again. Another friend picked up singing lessons. And it's just because, you know, I, I, I shared my story of, you know, why not enjoy life, bring yourself happiness, think about the things you used to love, you know, bring those back. And I, that was really cool. So, yeah. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that you shut down that perfection mindset, the inner critic that tells you this could be better, wait until it's better. You can share this when it's perfect. You shared it in a relatively small circle in the grand scheme of the world. And it had, it vibrated out to so many people that gave you feedback, probably even more that didn't show up and say, you know, that impacted me, that put something on my heart, that put something, you know, that planted a seed. And that positivity that you shared, if we all gave ourselves the opportunity to be brave and be vulnerable and show up and just say, you know what, I'm okay with sucking sometimes. I'm okay with being a seven out of 10. I'm okay with just, you know, doing things halfway and living a whole life. How many people that would give permission to also do things halfway and live a whole life so that they don't have to spend their time and energy thinking about how they need to fix themselves, how they need to be better, whether it's in business or bodies or whatever, you know, as a mother, as a housekeeper, whatever it is, showing up halfway is terrifying to people. But it, what happens if, it, if you allow it to terrify you is that you don't show up at all. You get zero. And so 50% is definitely better than zero. And the next time it's 65% and the next time it's 85%. And it may never be 100%, but you had a good time. And our brains want us to think that we're going to die. Like we're going to post this up and somebody's going to say something negative or somebody's going to say something bad. And then our ego is going to die. It just will never recover. (laughs) But I assure you, you will be fine. And the more times you go out and put yourself out there and you post up the picture and you post up the experience and you show up in your life, you give other people permission to show up in their lives. And you realize that you're not going to die. Your ego is going to be just fine. It will find something else to attach to. I swear. <laughs> Ask me how I know, you know, it just, that's just the human experience that we have. And so I just think that that's a really good point. And I'm really glad that you brought up that that was the coolest part for you is that you got to be an inspiration because you just really never know how hiding yourself from the world robs other people of an opportunity to be inspired by you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I absolutely agree with you. And I think if you remember one of your challenges was you should do something scary this week, each day of the week, we're supposed to do something scary. Uh, That was a later challenge. And that's that one stuck with me too, because family member of mine had said that to me. She said, you know, every once in a while, I try to do something that scares me. And so, you know, for me, for so long, people thought I had everything all together, you know, because on the outside, I did, you know, I, you know, I'm a lifetime Weight Watchers member. So I'm at a good weight. I'm, you know, I'm a, I have a family. I'm, you know, I've got a nice home and all this stuff, but the reality is it's not always, you know, roses. And, and I think if people can see your story and realize, Hey, she's kind of like me, or, you know, I didn't realize other people have those thoughts. And especially when it comes to body image, like something I hadn't really considered. And then when you dig deep, it's like, wow, that, that, that really did take up a good portion of, my thoughts and who I was, but I didn't realize it at the time. I think it's important to share our stories. And Leslie uses the term, your mess is your message. 
And I always, I, I think back to that all the time. I think, well, I'll just be vulnerable today and hopefully, you know, it resonates with somebody. And like you said, you just may never know who, you know, it, it, it sparks the seed in, you know, that maybe, maybe they'll want to, you know, do some of this body image work. Maybe they'll want to join the program. It's, you know, you just never know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Your message, your, me- your message, your message is such a good sort of mantra to live your life by because life is messy. Life is so messy. And that's one of the reasons we get so hung up on body image is because it's such an easy out. I don't feel comfortable going on vacation because I don't like the way I look in a swimming suit. I'm going to stop myself from being in the family photo because I don't want my picture taken or, you know, all of these ways that we sort of use our bodies and the way that it looks in the world as a way to stop ourselves from living a full life is it becomes paralyzing and it becomes a habit. We go to the body checking first before we make the decision instead of making the decision. And, and, you know, I don't blame anyone for having thoughts about their bodies. I'm in no position to tell people how to feel about their bodies, especially under, with the understanding that we live in a world that is extremely stigmatizing. There are a lot of biases and there are very real consequences to someone who lives in a larger body, who is beyond, you know, shopping in clothing stores with just straight sizes, who is, you know, just fitting into office spaces and desks and chairs that are comfortable. And, you know, I was shopping for some things and realized that extended sizes were really difficult to find that were cute and fun and playful and, So I'm not going to tell anybody that they have to love their body as far as the way it looks, right? But everybody should respect it. Everybody's body deserves some respect. It deserves to be honored. It deserves to have the space to live a full life regardless of how they look. And of course, none of that changes until we start demanding change. We start making noise. We have no business of telling people just to ignore the haters and love their body and just be brave and show up if they're, you know, if they're living on the margins of what is societally acceptable. But if I can teach them how to not be offended by their own bodies, and if I can work with them on how to wear clothing that fits them so that they're not uncomfortable trying to fit into something that doesn't, or being willing to put their hands on their bodies and experience the same pleasures and touches and feelings and, and things that everybody has access to and everybody has a right to. That's more the mission, right? Weight loss is cool. It can happen. It's a valid goal. It's an important thing. It makes you feel better about yourself. It's, it's, it's great, but not everybody lives in that headspace. And some people really struggle with connecting enough to their bodies, being willing to even connect to their hunger and fullness is a scary, scary thing to do because they're so disembodied because of their experiences, because of their experience of the world and society and their lives. And so it's important to acknowledge and recognize that the experience, the human experience is diverse and vast and complicated and complex. And, you know, there's just room for all of it. And I hope these challenges help everybody. 
you know, I, I hope that there's room for all of it for everyone and, and that they continue to grow and become, you know, more and more aware of those things and, and celebrate everybody because I believe everybody requires or not requires deserves celebration, right? I think everybody deserves to be celebrated, loved, appreciated, and respected regardless of how it looks, but that doesn't ignore the fact that we as a society still need to make some changes about the way we interact with human beings and our biases and the way that we treat them. It's, it's interesting because I saw something the other day and I don't remember who said it, but they said something along the lines of, I'm anti-diet culture and I still participate in it. And I thought that was really powerful because that's the truth, right? We, we can recognize how problematic diet culture is and body culture and all of these things and still recognize that we participate in it, that we desire the smaller, better, fitter, prettier, more socially acceptable bodies. But that's the work, right? That's the end. That's the way we untangle ourselves from this over-identification with having, you know, having a specific body equals happiness because it definitely doesn't at my leanest, at my fittest, at, you know, any version of body that I've ever been, I've picked it apart pretty harshly. I've been smaller. I've been bigger. I've, I've had all sorts of different sizes and you brought up your jeans and it reminded me of a time where this was before I was really into fitness. I was drinking a lot and partying a lot and I was a bit of a mess of a human <laughs> and yeah, right. But that time of my life is, is, it's the one time in my life that I reflect back and go, gosh, I am so grateful I grew out of that. But I split my jeans. I bent over and I, and my jeans split right up the butt. And I was forcing those jeans to carry way more weight than they were designed to carry and I just kept stretching them out and stretching them out thinking I am not going to buy bigger jeans kind of thing. And I split them and it was mortifying and it was so dehumanizing to me. And it was the worst possible thing that could have happened to me in that moment. I was so embarrassed and no one was even around. It was just me. So it was just my thoughts that embarrassed me, right? It was what I made it mean. And I have since split several pair of jeans because of weightlifting and growing a bigger butt. And, you know, I, <laughs> even in smaller sizes and, and now it is so not a problem. I'm like, oh, I guess these were done. Okay. <laughs> time to, time to move on and buy a different pair or whatever, because I deserve, my body deserves comfortable jeans. My body deserves to wear clothes that fit. And when I take them off, not be completely marred by clothes that were just, you know, trying to squeeze into something that was too tight, too uncomfortable and didn't fit me. But the contrast of having never done body image work and feeling so over-identified by my body and what that meant, which means I gained weight, which was the, the end of the world, the end of the world <laughs> versus now when I've done my own work and I've untangled a lot of these things, it's just the situation is the same. My butt got bigger and my pants split. There is no difference. The situation is exactly the same, but the way I think about it and the way I feel about it and the reaction that I have with it is completely different. And that's what I want for everybody. It's just to feel a little bit more freedom and not identify their bodies with this big dramatic, you know, chaotic headspace. So Steph, is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with is some, you know, sort of takeaways, life lessons learned, anything that you would like them to just be like, you know what, this stands out to me, take, take this home. 
I guess, you know, when we're thinking about body image work, the process takes time. I mean, you know, again, 20 something years of dieting and picking apart my body are not going to be fixed in a, a day, a week, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. I mean, this is still, I mean, and you've talked about this before. I think it's important to note that there are still bad body image days, but I can get myself out of it way quicker. We didn't even talk about the inner critic and naming that. That's another one, you know, yeah. Bertha to get out and, you know, shut up. <laughs> and I, do, I, I have that conversation now. That's what I have usually in my head. I don't really say it out loud, but I can kind of self-correct. And I think that's important to note like that if you get the chance to do this work, you should go all in. And again, it's weird. It's uncomfortable, but if you have a community like, you know, the community that we have with the Friends with Benefits program and the support that has poured out. And especially if you do post something vulnerable, it's like there's three or four people ready to chime right in and, and pick you up. And I think we look at ourselves in a, through a very different lens than how we view others. And mm-hmm. that was something that was really apparent to me through the, the body image work is that, you know, I would never, you know, have the internal thoughts or say the things about others that I do that I used to do to myself. So I guess my big takeaways are if you get a chance to do it, it's, it's absolutely worth it because no weight loss in the world is going to matter if you don't fix the inner stuff. And I I know that sounds really lofty, but it's the truth. I mean, there's plenty of people that have gone to really low weights and then if they're unhappy or if they're, you know, you can either gain the weight back or you continue to live miserably. And so that, that, and then it takes time. So don't expect to have a mindset shift quickly that I'm, it's still a work in progress for me, but I am light years ahead of where I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great takeaway. Patience, Mm -hmm. take your time. Reprogramming takes time. Most of us have decades of dieting under our belt. Most of us have decades of, you know, being hypercritical, self-critical, beating ourselves up. So just allowing space for you to do this imperfectly, just like everything else, not beating yourself up for judging someone else, not beating yourself up for judging yourself or having a bad body image day, but just being willing to see it for what it is and not make it mean anything about you as a person, any moral failures, that kind of thing. It's just it's just a bad body image day. And, you know, it's an uphill battle because you're fighting against, you know, your own mindset and society too, but it feels better in here. You know, when some of that dusty closet has been cleaned out and we feel a little bit better, it just, it's just more comfortable. We have more time and space to think about things that really matter and, and what we really value, but awesome. Well, Steph, Thank you so much for joining me today. I think that my listeners are going to love this episode. I think they're going to take a lot away from it. And hopefully you've inspired some people to start to poke around in their own brains and check on their thoughts and find out what they are thinking about themselves, about other people, and whether or not they still want to do that. So I really appreciate your insight. And thank you so much. You're so welcome. And again, you've changed my life. This is the least I could do. I mean, you know, but we've already talked plenty about this, but, you know, I thank the world of you and I'm happy to share my journey and thank you for giving me the opportunity. Love it. Thanks again. That's all I've got for you today. If you got something out of this, if you liked it, want to talk about it, screenshot this, 
share it on social media, put it on your stories, make sure that you tag me so that I can come by and say hello. You can always send me an email or shoot me a message and have a discussion about these things. I would love to hear what your story is, what you've overcome as far as body image goes, and what you're still struggling with and some things that maybe you need a little bit of help with. I'm happy to hear from you and I would love to talk to you about some of these things and so see if we can untangle them together. Now, if you are ready to take the next step and you really want some coaching around this specific area, I can't recommend the Friends with Benefits program enough that we talked about in this episode. And I will put the information in the show notes, but make sure that you're following Leslie Hooper on Instagram because she's going to announce very soon when this program is opening again. And I will be in there coaching on the body image side and working with clients as well. So make sure that you jump in on that opportunity if this is something that speaks to you and something that you know you need to work on. If you have any questions or any thoughts, make sure you reach out to me. My inbox is open and I hope you guys just have an awesome week. Talk soon. Bye.